about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. Thank you, because what I wanted to do to this morning is just to sit down and let them replay the message, because you didn't listen. Uh, however, this morning, very unusual, we got home probably around 1 a.m. or something like that, or something about 12 or something like that, after the wedding, um, you know. Um, but, ladies and gentlemen, that's the reason why, this is very light, so I'm talking lightly first the reason why many of you may not understand the workings of the pastor. He doesn't come for your uh, uh, reception. You don't understand sometimes the working of the pastor because as soon as we left church or as soon as we finished the wedding, we got a phone call that someone there is in the hospital and we didn't get back home till midnight. Um, so when I woke up this morning, I was tired, having battled with the flu throughout the whole week. And I just opened my iPad, and for some strange reason, spiritually, this is not right. For some strange reason, I, I went on to mail online. On a Sunday, what am I doing? So I clicked on mail online. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And then he took me straight to this. Put it up. No. Okay. Can you all see it? It was worth every penny. How frugal favor gave up new clothes, eh? gym membership, take away coffee to bank 30,000 pounds for London flat deposit. Let me quickly read it. A frugal savior in her 20s has revealed how she managed to save thousands of pounds for a deposit for a home in North London. Uh, Maria Baglexis, sorry if you screamed, and saved 30,000 pounds over five years. You need to go to my message on Wednesday. Over five years to be able to afford the keys to her one-bedroom flat. The 29-year-old, 29-year-old, spent a penny, didn't spend a penny more than she needed Two, by giving up take-away coffees. Did I not preach about coffees? <laughs> Did I not preach about coffees? They're good. Uh, take-away coffees. Walking to work. Exchanging her car. Did I not preach about this on Wednesday where you need to sell your car? Ta- exchanging her cars and making pack lunches. Today, some people say, Pastor, when you woke up, you're supposed to be praying. I'm reading. She said she used extreme money-pinching tactics to cut back on every expense and lived on only the basic essentials for 12 months, but says it was worth saving every penny to gain her own independence. 
The keen saver was able to stop spending money on going out with friends. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Going out with friends. If you don't download that Wednesday message, don't come back to church. He says, the king saver was able to stop spending money on going out with friends. Was it Sunday or was it on Wednesday that I was talking about 50 pounds? Uh, go- Sunday. Uh-huh. So, uh, if you don't like me, go and fight Daily Mail. Uh, he said, going out with friends at the weekend by working extra hours. Right. Uh, she told the mirror, I kick-started my savings five years ago. I worked overtime every weekend for years so I could knuckle down to some serious savings. Uh, this uh, entitlement mentality that some people feel, God will pray, let's pray. Nothing is packing and nothing is packing. Until you do what God says you should do. Now, where am I? He says, Miss, uh, 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 completely changed her lifestyle and was frugal with every cut, cut going she made. Quick, quick, quick. See? She, now she's using water. I don't go back down. Go back down. Look at the jeans also. It's worn out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep going. Go, 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 see? go, 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 uh, she said, I sold, oh God. Can you read it? She, read, let's read it together. She said, I, my nice BMW car for a cheaper, older Toyota Oris model <laughs> saved on what? On use tax and fuel and, sh- and shot 600 pounds off her insurance. What am I? Why are you throwing stones at me? She living every- This morning, she changed her job to one that was closer to home, ditched her gym membership, as she still fits, in sanity, see this, uh, and also managed to save 25 pounds a month on her phone bills by keeping her old phone. You that, they tell you every single two years, come and change your phone. They're lying to you. She, where am I? She said, I did smaller things like making packed lunches for work. I even gave my church three packs, three uh, lunch packs. They still didn't use it. For work and giving up takeaway coffees and it added up to a savings of around 25 pounds a week. Now, this just came out. So it's not like I read this before I preached. Are you following what I'm saying? At weekends, I would meet my friends in a local park. Park, not pub. And we did our own boot camp. Boot camp. Running, jogging. It was great fun being outdoors and socials without having to spend anything. Miss Raha decided. Are you all right? She decided. She decided she needed drastic measures to be able to reach thirty thousand pounds in savings needed for a deposit. She said, 
So I moved in with my mom. No matter how much mom was shouted, I will bear it. It's a sacrifice. I moved in with my mom to enable me to do some intensive savings. I had, I had an agreement with her that I paid just a nominal amount. Not free. You still pay. A nominal amount towards my keep, but put the rest away towards my deposit. No mom of parents will not help a child that first is showing that they're responsible. She said the hardest part of being canny with her money was not being able to buy new clothes. It means recycling. Now, she, you could see her jeans. So any jeans you have, just cut it in the middle. It gets in vogue. Just cut it. You, so, ask my wife. I took some of my jeans and then ch- chopped it a bit. So you won't know it's the old one. It's called recycling. Uh, Miss uh, Banglexis uh, learned to be thrifty with her wardrobe and borrowed from friends and family when she had a special occasion such as a wedding. Uh, you that buying clothes for everybody's wedding. She said, I didn't buy any clothes unless it was something necessary, like a basic pair of jeans. Go and read the rest. Let's pray. Father, I've come back again. I'm asking that you will teach us this morning that they will start to believe the word of the prophet. To you I give glory that lives will be shaped, dreams will be fulfilled, and success will be guaranteed. In Jesus' name. Let me ask you a question. From what I just read, how is that person now going to be talking about financial depression when she knew how to confront it? Financial depression, as I said, is not the absence of money, but the absence of hope from rising from slavery. Mismanagement of money is the root of depression. And I said, when we talk about money, you have to recognize this thing. And I've got a few minutes, I'm going to run through this. Money does not bring joy. We all know that. Money needs a what? A vision. When you have a vision, it gives direction as the lady had direction to buy the property, 29. That means she started at the age of 24. Mm -hmm. It brings discipline. Did you see how disciplined she was? No more going out for pubs, no more doing all this kind of stuff. And then it brings development. She's now an owner of a one-bedroom flat that is now an asset. Number three today, this is going to be controversial. Money has to be given. Money needs a vision. Money does not bring joy. And money has to be given. I'm going to stay here for a while. And I'm going to have to read this to you. Why do we struggle with the principles of giving? A major hindering factor is the world we live in. It encourages us to hold tight to everything we have. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, whatever I say today, just try to trust your prophet. Trust what I'm saying. Because from the daily mail, it is very clear that God is speaking to this house. 
So listen to me carefully because this is going to be a bit funny. Things always seem to be running out. Our cell phones have limited minutes and limited calling areas. That's why some couldn't download it, the message this morning. Our cars can only hold so much gas. Our vacation time runs out. So dies our patience, our energy and our attention. Our monthly budget seems to disappear down the rabbit's hole. So every one of us were conditioned to think in times of limits. And therefore the world operates from the principle of lack. The world says you start from a position of not having anything and you have to grab and you have to claw your way to a place of having enough. In the world, the most successful man is the man who stores the most. This is what the world says. Now, if you want a Bible scripture, it's same Matthew chapter 6, 24 to 31. Same, match, same, same scripture we've been talking about. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. However, in the annals of God, hoarding stifles the demonstrations of God's abundance provision. Listen to me. Accumulators of money don't get kingdom wealth. It is distributors of money that are blessed. This is the difference between mammon and God giving money. The key to the supernatural is to release the natural. If you don't let go of the natural, you will not experience the supernatural. The widow, she let go of the insignificant flour and oil for the unlimited supply that came to her. The widow was about to die, said, I've only got a little that I can eat with my son and die, and that was the end. The prophet says, just give that to me first. She gave it to the prophet first, and then the supernatural started to flow. The supernatural provision of God depended on the widow using the little oil she had. I'm going to repeat myself. You have to download the message on Wednesday. Have to. Because you need to understand that whatever is in your hand is what God wants to use, not somebody else. Many churches are praying, God, send me a helper, a financial helper, and God saying you can help yourself. This week I went to see a dear sister of us who lost her mother, and as soon as I walked into the house, I said, come and see me, you're buying this property. I prophesied it, and it's going to be like that. Because the major thing is that we've got to start to be focused on the things that God has given us. But if you are not a giver, no fasting, praying, or prophecy can rescue you from being a beggar. You've got to learn to enjoy giving. It is the cheapest way to enjoy living. The giving life is the winning life. Giving should be your way of life as a lifestyle and not a religious practice. I know I'm reading a lot, I can preach this off from my heart, but I want to, I, I need to cover 10 pages this morning. What people, when you start to give, what people would spend money to earn to make them look acceptable, you will not even need a pound to look good. If the favor of God does not beautify you, if the favor of God does not beautify you, the whole of Armani, Nike, Tommy Hilfiger, 
Gucci, Prada, Hugo Boss, Calvin Klein and Versace will not succeed. Chanel, Givenchy, YSL, Ralph Lauren cannot make you smell nice without the favor of God. You will always become greater than what you are prepared to lose. You will become lesser than what you are prepared to hold. Abraham became great because he was ready to lose Isaac. So for you to be prosperous, you must be generous. Tap someone beside you say, for you to be prosperous, you must be generous. There are two major people you have to be generous to. Number one, you've got to be generous to people. The poor around you are God's given assets for your increase in life. The poor around you. Never say I don't have money. Because five pounds puts you in a different stratosphere than nearly one third of the entire world. Every time you give to the poor, you increase the worth of your heavenly account. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Many people can't give because you spend your money on yourself only. Only me, 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 me. It's only me alone. The lady didn't buy clothes. Isn't she looking better than her clothes? Now if she wants to buy clothes, she can buy clothes because she has already achieved her vision. Many of us, all we want to do is just party away. Buy stuff away. Buy cars. Just look good to please people who are even angry with what you have. And there are some people who are around you that need the blessing that God has put in your hands. God will always trust wealth into people who love what God loves. And I've said this before. God loves people. Solomon had such a strong desire for the people that the overflow of his heart manifested in his dream. God said to him, what, do you want? what can I give you? He says, just give me wisdom enough to be able to take care of these people, this great nation. I don't need money, I don't need anything, I just need wisdom. God said, because you ask for wisdom, I will also give you money and I will give you wealth that no man before you or ever will have that much money as you and there's still no man that has had that much money as Solomon had. No man, no man at all. Till today, God just put a, he, 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 he just sealed it. He just uh, gave him a Guinness book of records that cannot ever, till he comes back, be matched. First John chapter 3 verse 17 says, But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and shut up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Many of you, even God bless you with a car, you can't even pick someone up to church. Bless you with a car, you will just turn your eyes as if you're looking on your phone while you're driving because you saw your church member stand at the bus stop. The same car. We were coming this morning and we saw an accident and we looked at each other and said, 16 years we have been traversing southeast um, um, uh, Essex to 
North London. And God has kept us. 16 years. Daily. Because you know what? When you give to God, He doesn't necessarily give it back to you in money. He can give it back to you in protection. He can give it back to you in favor. He can give it back to you in blessing. He can give it back to you in health. When you open up to the needy, you will never become needy. The second person you should give to or be generous to is you need to be generous to God. Your life is a result of the seed you planted. Sow good seeds because until your life becomes a seed, your future will remain in solitary. You have to be generous to man. You have to be generous to God. The problem with most of us is that we eat our seed before God can use it to grow a blessing. Little, little, little becomes much when you place it in the master's hands. God said to Moses, throw down the rod, give what is in your hands and see if I will not pass the Red Sea. And many of you are so holding on to money, you can't give to man, you can't give to God, and you're asking the Red Sea to part. You can only be generous to God if you do three things. One, if you honor God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord by giving Him your money as the first part of all your crops. Then you will have more grains and grapes than you will ever need. Now let me, put, let, me, let me say something to those who are coming, maybe for the first time. Because generally, this is where the devil kills it. And, I, and, and my wife and I, I had to speak to her first before I did this. This is the first of, uh, of November. Uh, in the second service, we're going to have a baby dedication and uh, wedding uh, Thanksgiving. So there are going to be new people in church. So my heart, my mind wanted to postpone this message. My heart says I will not fear man. Because the world throws it at the church. That all we talk about is money, 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 money. Before you make that decision, go to our website and download every message from January up to now and start and ask how many times was money mentioned there. Before you make a judgment. Because you just walk in and the next thing you say, oh, they're preaching about money again. I have to preach the full gospel. I have to. I don't care what the world does out there. And I don't care what other pastors do out there. And I know there are corrupt people. But because they are corrupt people, doesn't say we shouldn't do what is right. You will still buy a Louis Vuitton bag, even though people are carrying fake. And you will still buy that Chanel bag, even though you know that your neighbor has bought a fake one. Why don't you just say, eh, it's fake, I can't buy it, so they don't mess me up. No. Those who carry fake know they're carrying fake. Those who carry the original know. And the fake ones are hiding when they see the original. And the fake church, they will hide when the original church starts to emerge. You've got to learn to honor God. Honor the Lord with your life and then you can honor Him with your substance. You can't honor God with your money if you do not honor God with your life. Sitting down in church and doing absolutely nothing for God is pointless. If your heart is not surrendered, as we sang this morning, 
Then your money and your whole, the rest of you cannot be surrendered. Ladies, never marry a man who doesn't honor God. And men, run a mile from a woman who does not honor God. It is honoring God that makes you wake up in the morning although you're tired to come to church. Solomon honored God with his life and God just blessed him. Your failure to honor God will bring dishonor in your place of honor. How can you be generous to God? Number two, if you love God. If you love God. Many in the charismatic circles are in crisis today. Why? There is no affection for God. They are seeking God for their own sake. God is not the reason why they are serving in church. They are serving for bread and butter so they can keep, so, so, so they keep going through crisis. And some, some people will walk into church, I'm looking for a wife. Some people will walk into church, I'm looking for a husband. I met a lady uh, one time in this church, not church down to this church. Because many times we want to say our church is the best. In this church, where have you been? Oh, pastor, I'm going through. So say, oh, where have you been? Pastor, you know, I've been asking for God for, for a while. And they said, they should, I should come to Washington Tabernacle. And I came and still nobody came, nobody came to speak to me. They said, you will be there for a long time. So your main purpose is to get something from God and not give something to God. Neither did I say you should serve so God can give you what, you what you need. No, I serve God because I love God. I serve my wife because I love my wife. Not because I want to get something from her. It's not a competition. That's why many families have been broken up because it's like, uh, if you don't buy this for me, and then why should I buy that for you? It's like it's a competition. No, you love the person, you give freely. And God himself will bless you. Because all God, God always bless the giver. Whether in your marriage, whether in your relationship, whether in church. And the one who thinks I am taking everything, I can't be bothered. That's why your life goes in that direction. The love of God will make you a sweatless winner. You can't be sold out for God and not be marketable on this earth. When you are able to win God's love, you are crowned a winner on the earth. But to win his love, you have to first give your love to him. Number three, how to be generous to God is when you give to God. There are many that are serving God with all their heart, but without their purses. Someone once said, listen to me, someone once said, I, I, you're not, don't go to sleep now. Listen, someone once said, give according to your income, lest God makes your income according to your giving. So ladies and gentlemen, let's go on to what we call the argument of the tithe. And this is where I've lost many people. Wait. We give to God by our tithe. But let's talk about the tithe. Pay attention carefully, everyone. There are two regimes in the, about the tithe in the Bible. Listen to me because many of you are going to throw stones. The first regime is what I call the Abrahamic regime. The second regime is called the regime of the law. And I'm going to be very honest with you as a pastor. When it became... When Abraham gave his tithe, it was a conquest. The conquest was a work of grace. Don't go to sleep now. 
Don't go to sleep because I'm going to get you to stand up now. Don't go to sleep. Ask someone to give you some mint or some chewing gum right now. Don't go to sleep on me now. The conquest of grace whereupon Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the treasure from the battle that was the first tithe we saw in the Bible. The Bible says, And Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Genesis chapter 14, let's go together, verse 19 to 20. He says, Blessed, joyful, favored by Abraham, by by God most high, creator, listen to this, creator and possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed, praised, and glorified be God most high, who has given your enemies, who God gave your enemies into your hands, and Abraham gave him a tent of oil, the treasure he had taken into. But if you want to record it, record it. You can pick up your phones. I'm not afraid. Nobody compelled Abraham to tithe. It was what? Voluntary. For this reason, we shall call the Abrahamic tithing an elective tithing. What did I say? Preach to me this morning. What did I say? Elective tithing. He made money and he elected to give a tenth of it to the priest of God. The subtext, the subtext from the invocation of Melchizedek is that Abraham tied in acknowledgement of the fact that all that he had and all that he owned and all that he had ever accomplished came by the hand of the possessor of the heaven and the earth. Did you read that text? Mercedes says, God is the one that made you victorious. To that extent, Abraham, as he was known there, tied, Abraham tied, Abraham what? Tied as an act of worship. Abrahamic. Let's go to the law. The law regime. Now, there are three types of tithes under the law of Moses. The first one is what I call the sacred tithe. S-A-C-R-E-D. These were to the Levites. These were to the priests. The Levites did not have any inheritance. They didn't have any land. God said, this Levite, which was one of the tribes of, the, of, the, of Israel, were dedicated to serve God. So they had no money, no, no land, nothing. So God said, the tithe of all the other 11 tribes, go to them so they can feed, eat, and focus on the work that I've given them. The second tithe was what I call the vacation tithe. Because you need to be educated. The second tithe was the vacation tithe. That is the tithe of the feast of pilgrimage. That means they go up into Jerusalem, they take all the tithes, and they give it yearly, yearly. And sometimes they have to turn those tithes into money because the agricultural um, goods and the cattle and all that won't make it all there. So they will sell it and then they will bring the money. So the first tithe is the second tithe. The second tithe is what I call the vacation tithe. And the third tithe you will find in the Bible is called the social security tithe. It has a three-year cycle. It was paid every three years. This tithe were not only to the Levites, 
but also to the immigrants, also to the orphans, and also to the widow. So God had a social system in place for those who didn't have. Are you okay? Are you alright? So are you okay? Because in my next segment, it's going to blow someone out of their seat. Are you okay? A Christian, born again, cannot pay tithes under the law. This is inviting trouble. The church gone quiet. We are not under the law. We are under grace. Romans 6.14 The moment you elect to submit yourself to the dictates of the law, you commit to obeying the other 613 commandments. Because there were 613 laws that were given in the Old Testament. And according to the book of Romans, if you decide you're going to fulfill one law, you have to obey the whole 613, which was impossible. So if you fail in one, you're guilty of all. The moment you seek to pay tithes according to Deuteronomy or Malachi, you have to obey all the law of Moses and no one can be righteous obeying those laws. Are you following me so far? By that very token, the famous quotation about robbing God through non-payment of tithe cannot apply because it's a reference under the law. I'm just going to be honest with you as a pastor because a lot of you say, you, you are robbing God. If you rob God, uh, God has cursed you. It's a lie. And I have to be honest. Pastor, your income will drop. I don't care. I need to say you tell you the truth. We are not under the law. But Malachi, this is where you need to be careful. Malachi is still instructive since all scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 At least in the book of Malachi <laughs> and at least in the book of Deuteronomy and Lipticus you knew how God was serious about the tithes. He was serious. Because look, many ladies here, you have weaves on. Because you saw it on someone else. And you decided to do that. Many of you have chopped your hair and you have now put some, you know, it's now become ginger. You understand? Uh, or red. Because you saw it on someone, you liked it, and hence you followed it. And you're all looking good. Many guys, before, we didn't have beards. Now it looks like it's the in thing because you saw a pastor do it and so you follow suit. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Let's go into the United Kingdom. You also see that many laws that are brought into place is because of a good practice of someone else. Or a tragedy of someone else. Are you all with me? Are you all with me? Many of you are going to go back home. You're going to look at your finances. You're going to try to say, I can buy that property because you looked at uh, Alexis uh, and then you said, if she can do it, I can do it. It's a good practice. Now, listen to me. God saw that what Moses did was so good 
that he put it into law for that generation. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Am I under the law? No. Should I pay tithes under the law? Absolutely not. So let me answer some questions. If I don't pay my tithes, will I go to hell? No. Tithes has nothing to do with salvation. You are saved by grace. It is a gift from God. It is not based on works. Salvation is not a reward of the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Is it compulsory I pay tithes? No. It's really up to you. The only regime of tithes you can follow as a Christian is the Abrahamic and elective tithing. There is no compulsion given. I'm coming. Why then do I need to tithe? This is where you need to understand this. The study of Abraham and his great grandson Jacob tithing is important in this regard. For Abraham, tithing was an act of worship. It wasn't a law. Nobody told him to do that. Are you following what I'm saying? It is an acknowledgement of the fact that his achievement was facilitated by God. Have I got any G-mix? He said he's upstairs. Go and get it. The fact that I'm pastor doesn't mean I should die. Ah, uh, so listen, the guys who will get it will get it. Oh, relax. We are, I'm in ginger for my throat. So just relax. Oh, pastor, you're preaching. You shouldn't have said that. Which law? <laughs> for Abraham, tithing was an act of worship. It was an acknowledgement of the fact that his achievement was facilitated by God. It wasn't a self, he wasn't a self-made man. He was a God-made man. The question is, why do I tithe? I tithe because I am not a self-made man. I'm a God-made man. He also tithe in the acknowledge, he tithe to acknowledge God as the possessor and the creator of heaven and earth. His tithing was a private worship. Let's go to Jacob. Jacob on the other hand, he tied for protection and prosperity. There was no law then. Let's read it. When he was fleeing from his brother Esau, he made a private covenant with God. Listen to this. Genesis 28, 20 to 22. Father, help me with time. Then, uh, listen. He says, then Jacob made a vow. Let's all read together. Quickly, quickly. Then Jacob made this vow. And if you will provide... I can't hear you at the back. One. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Did you see that? So, Jacob's, Jacob's committed to tithing was on the basis of protection and prosperity. But he also incorporated Abraham's rationale. 
recognizing the fact that his prosperity what comes from God and that God is the possessor hunger of heaven and earth. Uh, in verse 28, Genesis 28, 20, says, I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So let me go back to this. Elective tithing is a private covenant with God. Someone says, hey, hey, but they give the tithe every, every three years. No, 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 don't, don't go to the law. Because if you go to the law, they give it every three years cycle for social. But there were two other tithes that you didn't read there. The, 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 the sacred tithe and also the vocational tithe. So let's not go there. But let's go to the best practice before the law and then after the law. Before the law, these guys said, I'm going to tithe for prosperity. I'm going to tithe for, for protection. Not because there's a curse. Any church you go to and say, if you don't tithe, there's a curse upon your life. They're lying to you. There's nothing like that. It's an erroneous teaching we have embedded in our minds that God is not pleased with. Elective tithing is a private covenant with God. Jacob's words, on the other hand, suggest continuous tithing. He says, I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. It was continuous. So, there are three bases of Christian's tidings. One, it is as a covenant of possession. I tithe because of who possesses me. It's an acknowledgement. When I tithe, it's an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty and authority in worship. Number two, it's a covenant of protection. Genesis 28, 20 to 22. And three, it's a covenant of prosperity. Genesis 28, 20 to 22. But Jesus, the question you will ask me is, but Jesus never taught Titan. He did actually. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Can you help me put it up please? He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. Remember, Jesus was a prophet. He was a prophet and a priest. He was fulfilling the law and bringing in grace. So, he was the bridge between two. And so, he says, he says, for you are careful, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. That means you can be a tither and still not please God. Your tithe that says open the windows is not opening anything when there's sin and when there's unforgiveness in your life. He says, he says you should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So why a church will raise tithes above every other thing is ridiculously stupid. Why every service, every church, everything they, they, they spend, they, 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 they will call someone out and they will spend 15 minutes talking about giving the offering and the tithes. It looks like even sometimes there's more message on the tithe and the offering than the message of people getting saved, changing their lives, getting out of debt. Getting out of depression. Why is it that most of our messages are about money? Jesus said, I'm not debunking, I'm not destroying that. He said, but there are more important things than that. But Jesus did not eradicate it. But remember, Sabbath, he destroyed it. 
He destroyed every other thing. But if he knew that the tithe was not important to his father God, he would have also said, don't do it. Listen to me. Jesus operated under the law. That was why his prayers presented him to the temple. That's why he ate at Passover. In Matthew 23, 23, we find Jesus trying to correct the distortion of the relationship between tithing and critical basics of the law by the Pharisees. The regime of tithing under the law was operational while Jesus was on earth. He himself came to fulfill the law. So the question, next question. Why? But why did the apostles, why didn't the apostles teach on tithing in the book of Acts? The writer of Paul did in the book of Hebrews, which is generally more leaning towards theologians that he was the writer of Hebrew. He went very deep. Hebrews chapter 7 and chapter 8, besides the early church, didn't have a problem with giving. They, 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 yeah, uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 and chapter 8, he talked about Melchizedek, he talked about the tithing, and if I, had to, if, if I have time, I would have gone deep into that. All the tithing, all everything is just pointing to Jesus. That's all he's doing. He's pointing to who owns your life. But listen to me. In the book of Acts, the church saw beyond the 10%. They gave all that they had. They even gave their lives. They were martyred. These were not the types who quibbled about money when they would give their own lives to die. And you're now talking 10%. They were not interested. They were interested in living for Christ, which means I will give my life. They are not the type who quibbled about money. And those who got too smart for God got their coppers. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They wanted to play God. So listen to me. If anything, according to the book of Acts, which was the first foundation of the Christian church, we see believers selling homes and giving away all the ends from the sales to the apostles to be distributed to those in need. I have yet to see anyone in this church or anyone else that spoke against tithing. Sell their homes and give it all away to help the people. So let's, let's, let's go into two places. One, for those who are against the tithe, ask them, have you sold your home? Have you sold your home to give? And we who are talking about the 10%, 10%, 10%, let's go to the Bible. We now leave the Old Testament. We're now in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, they sold everything they have. Even me, pastor, as pastor, 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 I haven't yet sold my house and given everything to God. I haven't yet. I'm honest, I haven't. Sometimes they'll say, give this, and i say, are you sure? Can you see how much we hold on to money? So it's not the 10% that they were interested in. That's why they didn't talk about it. Because their lives were more important to God than money. They gave everything they had. So why can't I give my tithes to the orphans and the widows as in Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 28 says? That is a reference to the third tithe under the law which is called the social security tithe. You're not under the law, number one. You will heap a curse on yourself if you subject yourself to the system of the tithings under the law. So in the Abrahamic or the elective tidings, there is no provision for giving your tithes to the orphan and to the widow. Under the Abrahamic. Wait. That, that is not saying, however, that the orphans and the widows should be neglected because you have to be generous to man and you have to be generous to God. That's wrong. The Bible calls 
caring for orphans and the widow, pure religion. James chapter 1 verse 27. So what does God say? God says we need to make a budgetary extra provision for people who are in need. So why do we have to give it to church? Hebrews 4.14 says, Jesus is your high priest. How does Jesus express himself? He expresses himself through the institution of the church, his body. So you pay your tithe to your local assembly or where you receive spiritual nourishment or where you receive spiritual nourishment. So let me give you an example. For instance, if a disabled woman is, or a disabled man is housebound and receives her spiritual nourishment from TV programs because she cannot leave the house, she should pay her tithe to those ministries. Can you say, I'm not biased? Pay, pay to them. Pay to wherever you get your spiritual nourishment from. If it's not church, don't, 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 don't give it. If, it, if, it's, if it's somebody on the TV that should go to, and that person pastors you, then uh, all well and good. Where you need to be careful is that you cannot keep reaping where you do not sow. Because these things don't come easy or cheap. So here's the summary of the whole thing. The essence of giving is from the heart, not the amount. The essence of what? Giving is from the heart, not the amount. You can't give tithes under the Old Testament. It's just a, it's, it's, the Old Testament is a signature, or is a signage, sorry, to what God sees that is there in his heart. He's looking for your heart, not your money. Because when you love God, your money becomes cheap in your hands. Call it tithes. Call it an offering. Call it false foods. Whatever you decide in your heart that pleases God. Let me share this with you and close. With taxes at the 32% rate. You know, some of you are paying 60%. We seem not to mind giving to Caesar than giving 10% to God. Oh, okay, your low-income miner, they pay what percentage? 20, 20%. 20%. Council tax. TV license. Road tax. Parking tax. Uh, food tax. Uh, VAT tax. Petrol tax. Someone speak to me about petrol. Do you know the most, your, the, 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 more, the, the expenses on petrol is because of the tax? The government has told us that they have suspended tax. Come on, man. Electricity tax. Gas tax. When you make a calculation of the purity and the tax that you pay, and then you, now, you will find out the gap and the difference. And then when you die, your children will pay what? Yeah, I mean, is that not true? They pay inheritance tax. And, and if you have no will, they will tax everything. So, but we don't mind to do that. But we mind about God. God, should I give on the gross or should I give on the net? What are you doing? The government doesn't trust you. That's why they took their own first. 
It's a heart. We've never sold a house to give to God. We need advice in lending to Caesar what is Caesar. We'll give to Caesar. We'll pay the tax. You will go. You will travel. You will travel. You know, one time we were traveling. We got a free ticket. We were jumping up. Free, free ticket, free ticket, free ticket, free ticket. I'm not sure. Nowadays, because I'm careful, I don't want to name the airline. But free ticket. Wake up, wake up, wake up. You're still sleeping. Uh, uh, Free ticket. My wife and I. And we're happy. And they said, yeah, but you need to pay the tax on it. For both of our tickets, it came to £1,500. Check how much you're paying on tax. Aviation tax, fuel tax. And still, they would still tell you to, if you want to sit together, you have to pay for the seat beforehand. But we don't bat an eyelid on that. And then we start shouting on 10%. Abrahamic tithing is a private covenant between a believer and God. All we other pastors should shut up. Abrahamic tithing is elective and not compulsory. There's no compulsion in giving your tithes in the New Testament. As a general rule, the Bible says you should be rich to God. But this is where most of you will leave church and say, Ah! Pastor Deliver, let me give you a scripture. Luke 12, 21. Luke 12, 21. He says, can we read it together? Ready, steady, go. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own all the things you have prepared? So, it is for the one who continues to store up and hoard possessions for himself and is not rich even in his relationship towards God. Are you hearing me? Tithes can be paid as an act of faith, an act of worship, as a basis of prosperity, protection, and an acknowledgement of God's grace and, uh, uh, and sovereignty. You can come up with personal rationales for tithing. That's my submission. You will never hear, and any minister that comes up, they will be shut down. Ever. That if you don't pay your tithe, you're going to hell. You're not going to hell. And if you don't pay your tithe, you're cursed. You're not cursed. But what you will hear from this pulpit is where is your heart? What do you talk about the tithe? It's a good practice. I can learn from it and I've prospered from it. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. As a matter of fact, I don't give 10%. I give more than that. Because the 10% is law. What is in my heart is important. Look into your own finances and ask yourself, how much of your finances is given to God and is given to man? Therein you can ask that question. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.